just because you're not producing something doesn't mean that that's not your your thing anymore or a part of who you are. And so back to that quote from the beginning, it's been something that I've been recognizing. It's like, it's not, it doesn't need to be produced for me to say that that's what I enjoy or that's what I identify myself as. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo Podcast, and as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? Maria, I am doing great and so excited to be welcoming Olympian Caroline Burkle to the show. Caroline is not only known for her collegiate and Olympic success, but more recently for her openness about her struggles with her physical, mental, and spiritual health during and after retiring from swimming. Caroline's courage and openness make her the kind of champion we can all relate to. Maria, can you tell us a little bit more about Caroline? Sure, Kelly. Caroline grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and swam for the Florida Gators. She won two NCAA individual championships in 2008. She was named the 2008 NCAA Female Swimmer of the Year. And that year, she also earned a bronze medal in the 2008 Beijing Olympics, swimming the 4x200-meter freestyle relay. Since retiring from swimming in 2010, Burkle started Rise Athletes, a mentorship program for young athletes. Caroline is also recently a professional artist and a swimwear designer. We're very excited to welcome Caroline to the show. Welcome, Caroline. Yes, Caroline, welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me on today. I'm really excited. We're delighted. We've been we've been following you and we're interested in, in, in your life. It's very interesting. What have you been up to lately? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm in Southern California right now. I live in Redondo Beach. You know, we're recently getting over the, well, getting over, I don't know is the right word. I guess pandemic uh, is still going on, but we're learning how to re-enter this world. So it has been um, a really positive time, I think, for me personally, just sitting back and reflecting and then also diving into different parts of myself. So I've done a lot of introspection lately. <laughs> I've been very introspective uh, as of late. And you've also shared some of your thoughts with the world on your website um, and in other ways, um, can you tell us what maybe what 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 one is one of the most important sort of realizations you've come to lately? Yeah, so this has been an interesting time um, because, as most people would know, or as I share, I've retired, been retired now for ten years. So, you know, one would think that somebody would be not really thinking about these things that I'm thinking about during this time which would be my career and my worth and my identity. But it recently really uh, came back out into the open, actually right before we were in quarantine. 
So um, about January, in January, I started to kind of fall back into a depressive state, which was, you know, really tough for me, right when I retired swimming, I became very depressed. But you know, quite a few years after I retired. So you know, you go, 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 and you block it out, and then it hits you. Um, and that was a challenging time in a nutshell. And I, as I worked through that, uh, the past couple of years have shown me what my body has shown me what happens when you're in a very compromised mental health state. So as I've recovered from the physical ailments that I um, endured during about 2017 and 2019, it all sort of hit me in January. I was just reflecting on everything and I started to realize how everything made sense and everything started to connect. And then of course, when you're put into quarantine, then a couple you know, weeks later, month later or so, you really have nothing more to do other than work, obviously, which I was already doing, but to really reflect and to sit with yourself and understand your experiences and what you've gone through. So um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. And you know, without, I guess I can get into a lot of specifics about it, but to keep it broad, you know, you're never done with something until you are really done with it. You know, I guess to say it better would say, um, until you know and understand all of the different things that have gone into your journey and that have the patterning that you've adopted, it's hard to understand yourself. And I think that's exactly what um, I needed to, to get through. Um, I had been avoiding all of that for quite some, quite several, several amount of years. So you, this January, you said you, you fell back into a depressive episode, but you also kind of put together everything from your past. Was it, was putting it all together, what caused the depressive episode or what, what was the big event that happened just before quarantine that's really spun you around? You know, during my career, I had gone through a lot of very challenging um, situations that were not so fun in a lot of ways, but were also really formative for my mental health in either a good way or you know, bad way. <laughs> um, and in January, um, I really struggled with something specific that had gone on in my career that, I mean, for lack of a better term, was pretty traumatic for me. Um, and it all came back. <laughs> um, I actually had a concussion about a year ago. And since then, I, I struggled to put my thoughts together in some ways. And then in January, everything started to come back and make sense. And I think that that in some ways was a strange blessing um, that I think your brain and your mental health are so incredibly important. And in January, the event that I was reliving in my mind was not fun and it was, it felt very real. So if if people are um, aware of how trauma works or how um, traumatic experiences work, typically you become numb to it and either go into dorsal, your dorsal state for several, several years to where you don't really um, care and you just kind of become flat and numb to things and you just push through and 
And um, the goal is to sort of get through back to the ventral state of it to where you can work on it and understand it. But you go through a period where you're in fight or flight even more so than you've ever been before. So your body relives an experience again and, and it's AKA PTSD. So I was experiencing a lot of that in January and February and into March. Um, that was very, very confusing to me. I would have never guessed in a million years that at 33, I was going to be dealing with something that was very hard for me to deal with when I was in my early twenties, but that's the way it goes again. Like until you understand the patterning and understand kind of what has gone through your mind and your heart during something, it's really hard to forgive it and to release it, to show compassion and understand it. Otherwise you block it. So, um, it was hard for me. <laughs> I like to block things. I, it was very easy for me to block. I could block very easily. So to be able to face something and to understand it was like massive growth for me. So you're, um, it sounds like obviously we, as outside observers of your career, you've had just about the highest highs that an athlete can reach. You know, you make an Olympic team, you win NCAAs your freshman year at the University of Florida. You're, you know, you just, you just had some really peak moments that sound like they've been punctuated by some really dark times. And if you were looking back on, I, I, and I think that's the way life is in general, maybe, uh, you know, us normal uh, mortals out here just, you know, we have high highs and low lows and maybe not um, as high highs of you as you have had, but what what are your thoughts or what advice would you give to someone who is seek, seeing some nice high moments in their life, but also experiencing some trauma or some dark times? Because it, during that, yeah. can you just kind of walk us through, like, you know, what were your thoughts? You win NCAAs your freshman year in two events, your NCAA Storm of the Year. You make the Olympics it, it, punctuated by this th these dark things that are happening to you. Mm -hmm. Great question. I think there's, there's some sort of, um, stigma around mental health for athletes or in general, the idea that an athlete could go through something hard. Um, and that was, I'm speaking from my experience, right? Like I, when I was an athlete, it's like, Oh no, like, look at you, you're living the dream. There's no way that you can be feeling what you're feeling outside of, outside of this glory. Right. <laughs> and and I'm not talking about, you know, challenging moments in the pool, challenging moments, you know, with my career in general, like lows of competing and performance. I'm talking about personal life because when we can break down the lens of this person is an athlete and you really look behind their, their mask at their soul, they're, they're a human being that is going through way more than just their sport. And there's nothing wrong with that. I thought there was something wrong with that. And I thought that that meant I wouldn't be able to compete well, right? So like if I could block things out enough, then I could prove to the world and to everyone that I was enough and that I was good enough and that I could be, you know, worthy of love and, and of success. And so breaking that down and understanding that you're more than what's, you know, on the surface and behind the mask is a human being that has layers and levels to them of trauma or heartbreak or, 
you know, family situations, friends, situations, body health, like there's so much that goes into a human being. And maybe some people don't have anything that they're aware of or that they know of, or that they even are challenged with in that way, but it's having compassion for others that do. So I just want to lead in with saying that because I, for so long thought there was something wrong with that. And that that meant, oh, I can't possibly be a champion. I can't possibly be you know, successful if I have these things that have, that I'm hiding or that I'm holding on to, right? Like no one would, would want me that, or nobody would feel that I'm worthy of success. And so when an athlete and when a human is both an athlete and, you know, an artist or a scientist or a math nerd or whatever it is that they love or classify themselves as, as, as a youth, especially it's holding space for both. So I think the most important thing, especially with, with youth athletes and with teenage athletes and um, collegiate athletes all the way into pros is knowing that they're going to have more to themselves. And if they can accept and embrace that those things do not mean that they're any lesser of a champion or of a person, that's the most beautiful journey to take. Because I think where we fight resistance is when the mask has to be put on and we just have to say, oh, this is just how I do it. I just push through and I get it done. And absolutely. But also you can hold space for the other side because that other side is incredibly important and can teach you a lot about how to be a better athlete at the end of the day. I love so, that. I yeah. love that because, you know, we're all flawed. I mean, there's like no one out that's listening to this that isn't, that doesn't have some, and I, maybe not a deep, dark secret, but something that troubles them or worries them, or that was a trauma in their past, or that has history of all the, you know, things that, you know, you've mentioned, and yet they can still achieve their dreams. They can still have high levels of success without, um, being uh, like, I, I love the, there was a quote that you had, I think it was on your website that we're, we're worth more than what we produce, you know? And, um, so I, I, I love that saying, Maria, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking, Caroline, that, you know, and, and in reading about, you know, some of the experiences you've been through that, you know, I think part of the issue is that as women, and this is going to be maybe politically incorrect, is we're expected to look good, put a smile on our face, you know, work on through. And I was wondering, as you were talking, is it possible to be authentic and still, you know, be a champion? Can you be a champion and say, yeah, I won, you know, I won this, but, you know, this bad thing happens and I struggle with this and I do that. Can you do that and, and still be a champion, you know, in real time? Right. And the answer is yes. In my opinion, the answer I think has evolved. I don't think it used to be yes. Um, I think it used to be push it down and get through it and you can deal with it later. And I'm not trying to say I know history and I know everything there, you know, I'm right now I'm learning more than ever about it all. But if you look at the best athletes and the greatest athletes now, you know, when you look at the NFL, you have Michael Bennett, right. Who speaks out on his depression quite openly and you have Michael Phelps, um, you know, and you have fantastic tennis players that have had babies and runners that have had babies and, you know, people and women and athletes that are, um, in these roles now that are more than just an athlete, 
and they're speaking about it and opening up about it and also holding space for the other side of themselves, which wants to go on the field, the court, the pool and dominate. Mm -hmm. And I think our trap in our society now, and I'm a very intuitive and emotional and, um, you know, I feel, I feel my way through everything. So when I, when I say this, I'm speaking from a place of feeling and, and from intuition, but I feel like society, in my opinion, um, over the past decade, not saying specifically right now, but over the past decade has had a big trend of, um, you just, this is just who you are. So you're just, you're just this, and that's what you got to do. So good luck. And when you're done, we'll, or, you know, whenever you finish something, we'll, we'll do it, but this is your identity, right? And you see, and, you know, probably long before that, um, but you're seeing celebrities, like professional athletes, um, politicians, I don't know, I'm just naming random things, but, you know, fall into the trap of not knowing who they are, and then eventually having mental more mental health issues, because of that. So I think owning the idea that these things aren't going to go anywhere, I can be both. It's not either or it's and I can be Caroline Burkle, you know, struggling with a trauma and a bit of a mental health issue. And also Caroline Verkel, the athlete that wants to win a gold medal at the Olympics, both are possible. Mm -hmm. So how can I tend to both, right? By denying yourself an experience in one area, it's, you're not going to be a better athlete, right? If, if the other area isn't healthy, like everything is helping everything. Um, now that being said, there's a time and place, right? You know, I think there's, you, learning how what athletes are great at is learning how to be able to shut it on and off and to turn the valve, you know, open the valve, close the valve. So when the job needs to get done, they can open the valve and go and then, you know, close it. And then when they need to tend to themselves, they can open the valve and go and close it, you know? So it's like those things can happen si simultaneously. It doesn't have to wait for this special moment mm. to address the other side of yourself. So I, I'm going to take us in a direction that may, Maybe you've thought of, maybe you haven't, but you're, you, you do feel things and you have obviously done a lot of reflecting. So I was blown away by what a great artist you are. And I'm just going to throw this out here as little person that I identified myself as a swimmer very young. I grew up on a lake, so I just purely fell in love with swimming, like I'm still a swimmer. Like I've gone through women's retreats where you, you know, you walk through the sage and you do the circle and you like, who are you? Right. I'm, a sw I'm a swimmer. And I feel like maybe the Caroline Burkle was really an artist. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, you know, you grew up, you know, in Louisville, Kentucky with lakeside swimming and, you know, your brother was an Olympic swimmer and your, your dad was a swimmer and you kind of got, um, let's say you, you got, uh, put down the swimmer path when maybe if somebody had put a paintbrush in your hand when you were six, instead of a pair of cap and goggles, um, maybe your life would have been totally different. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, have you thought about that? Yeah, I, th I think about it all the time. I actually, that's part of the reflection that I've gone through is the idea that I've never cultivated both parts of me. It's always had to be one or the other, or it, 
I needed to play one role or the other. Right. And I actually think I, I attribute this to a lot of my friends that are moms now, like they're more than just one thing, right. Or a mom and a lot of other things are, you know, it's not just, of course they say I'm a mom, but they're not just, just a mom. They're an intuitive, they're a volunteer, they're a wife, they're, uh, you know, um, a runner or, you know, so I, I started to realize like, oh, okay. If I had a paintbrush in my hand at six, which, you know, I took all IB art in high school. And then in college, I didn't end up doing art because of timing for swimming. But, you know, if I would have had a paintbrush at six, I would have hoped that I could still swim. And if I was a swimmer, I would have hoped that I could have still had a paintbrush in my hand. Right. So I think in college, if I, you know, I say live with no regrets, but the one thing I do regret is not finding a way to do, to make art is not finding a way to take those courses. It is not finding a way to create that. Um, I understand that I for sure had to be all in swimming, but that doesn't mean I can't at least play with something that I'm passionate about and that I identify myself with loving. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in like, it's not either or, you know, it's, but it's, you can be both. It's like, I am this and this, like I can have multiple things that I'm experiencing, doing, producing, loving, um, and creating. I I really love that. And and I want to address it too, in kind of a different way than Kelly did. You know, I, I have grown children and I have experienced in my life that I have had time to do almost everything I ever wanted to do, but not all at the same time. (laughs) When I had four little kids at home, I could run and I could be a mother, but that was it. I couldn't, I couldn't run a business. You know, I couldn't, you know, (laughs) I couldn't be involved in the community. And then, you know, as the kids started to grow, I could do other things. And I think, you know, one of the encouragements that I would want to put out there is you're only 33 and your art is amazing and you're selling it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And, and I, you know, I feel, you know, and, and you also, you know, as we mentioned in the, in the introduction, you're also designing swimwear and you hope to launch a business at that. So there's, you know, you can be this now, you could be a swimmer and an artist, you know, and you can be, and then you might want to go on and be a community activist or a president of the United States or, you know, whatever there's, there's, we live, if we're lucky, good long lives and we can keep the one identity. Like, you know, I'm also a cyclist and I always want to be that, but uh, you know, that sometimes takes a little bit of a backseat to whatever it is that I'm really passionate about in this moment. Sure. Yeah. And that's a wonderful way to think about it too, is that just because you're not producing something, doesn't mean that that's not your, your thing anymore or a part of who you are. And so back to that quote from the beginning, it's been something that I've been recognizing. It's like, it's not, it doesn't need to be produced for me to say that that's what I enjoy or that's what I identify myself as. Like, why do I need to be, you know, producing or accomplishing or achieving in order to say, Hey, I really like knitting (laughs) and nobody knows that, you know, Oh, I'm a knitter, you know? And it's like, okay, well, if I knit blankets and scarves and things and I don't produce them or sell them, does that make it not a part of me? Right. And so that theme was showing up for me a lot that there are, you know, things that you can produce 
that are a part of you. And then there's also things that you can just enjoy and live beautifully within and not have to produce a single thing. Like there's nothing that needs to be proven about that joy for you or that part of your identity. And same thing with mental health and same thing with my depression. And when I dealt with the the depression, it's like, if I clung so hard to the idea that I needed to get over it, right. Which I did for a while, like get over it. That's a production, you know, it's a production. You're producing Mm -hmm. a result. Like I'm producing a result, right? Like, and so if I didn't get over it fast enough, or if I didn't have a certain amount of years or a certain amount of therapy sessions, it's like, well, then what's the point? I'm not producing any result here. And the, the truth of the matter is, is I hope I'm in therapy forever. I hope that I work with a coach forever. I hope I walk through my experiences forever and what I'm going through forever, right? Like there may no, not be a true result. There's no finish line to that. It's only progress and a continued momentum with understanding and breaking down your patterning and, and going through your life, past, present, future, and understanding how it all connects so that you can be a better human. Um, you know, and we're seeing that in our culture today, specifically with what's going on with racism, right? Like there's a result to be produced. And also there's a lot of work to be done every day, continuously and forever. And so I think that that is something that I'm committed to. And I know that it it helped me understand the concept of it better, Um, that there's, you know, both, both things result. And also you can just live it and work on it and be a part of that change. Yeah. I really like that. I saw a video of you doing, uh, I think you call it a clean and jerk or something like that, some <laughs> kind of a, a weightlifting move. And, you know, obviously you're just doing that for fun, right? That's not a production. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I took a weightlifting course in January, right before COVID happened. Uh, and it was a really good uh, outlet for me to try something new. I love being a beginner at something, especially when I feel uh, supported by, you know, coach or small group, or I really love that small group setting. It's five of us weightlifting class. You know, I have no expectation. I can't lift heavy. I'm not a heavy, heavy lifter. So for me to do like learn technique and learn how to move my body in that way was really, really cool. Um, as you know, swimmers have 27 foot long arms. So I was like very challenged right off the bat because I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm not gonna be very good at this, but I want to learn something new. And I walked in the first day and I said, Ronnie, I don't have a real expectation. I definitely want to like do really well and (laughs) like do a PR or whatever, but everything will be a PR because I've never really done these movements before, but I just want to be here and I want to learn. And I like to keep myself moving in that direction. And I don't want to produce, you know, any, any specific result other than to become better and to learn something new. And he was like, that's great. Like, I want you here, period, you know? So it was really cool to do that because for so long, I was proving my worth through results and through producing something. So with more repetitions of that, regardless of what it is, like, you know, I could go take another, I could take an art class, right? Which would be a huge challenge for me because I'm already like perfectionist with my art or, you know, in my mind. And then I'd go to a class and I'd probably want to produce this perfect result, right? So it's, it's always understanding, you know, how can you live without always needing to produce a result? And how can you also produce a result? Like both are fine. 
And so it's, it's a challenge. It can be a challenge for an athlete, especially with an ego. <laughs> um, but it, it's worth it because it teaches you the parts of yourself that are doing it, like the why, like why you're actually doing it. So then whenever you want to do something with a result, you know exactly why you're doing it. So on that note, like one of our questions that we love to ask champions is, what has been your proudest moment? But I want to tweak that a little for you and ask you, so you've done some really neat things. You know, you've been an NCAA champion. You've won an Olympic medal. You've created amazing art that's sold. You, you, you know, you take, you've done a weightlifting class. I don't know if knitting is real or not. I'm a knitter, um, but <laughs> I would love but, to knit. I love blankets, but you know what? I maybe have to start. I should have started in quarantine. <laughs> no, you can start. That's when I started. I, I did a YouTube video and learned, but with all wait that, till you're 50, wait yeah, till you're 50, yeah, Caroline. You wait, There's plenty yeah, wait, of time. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. I waited till I was like 58. So, um, just my question though, is what of all those experiences, what were you looking for? Like, was it flow? Was it recognition? Like, what gives you the best feeling? And maybe that is the proudest moment, but maybe not. So can you speak to that? Honestly, love. Like, lo love for who you are as a person and to feel seen. And so my, in my proudest moment, which in my career was my senior year NCAAs 500 free, I had broken Janet Evans, 18 year old record. I was so excited. I knew that I always wanted it, but I, you know, I wasn't going to be super upset if I didn't get it. Cause my goal was the Olympics, you know, right the summer after. But I remember in that moment, just feeling so seen, you feel seen by your teammates. It's more of an intimate setting. You feel seen by your coaches, your parents, other teams, other coaches, you know, there's something special about that feeling. And I was never in it for the recognition as much as I was in it for the meaning behind the recognition, like that, that you've put in this work and that you've stood up in front of your team and put in the hours uh, supported everyone and to feel supported and seen in return is just so cool. And that's, that's what can be harder on the big, big, big stage, right? It's not as intimate. It's for sure be, feeling seen, but the factor of being able to connect over your success is a bit more challenging when it's uh, such a large world stage, right? I mean, you can connect to your coaches or teammate or two, but the idea of having that connection was, is really what I enjoy. Um, and I'm learning that as I get older, especially just to feel seen and to feel acknowledged for, hey, that was awesome that you just won that race or did that thing. But also, I saw you from the beginning training for that, right? And I've been here for you every day and we have worked through that together and way to go, right? So that, that kind of feeling. So when you're famous for, you know, this, these big, big things, then you're more of a paper cutout, right? People see one aspect of you. Is this what you're saying? But you, your, your desire in life and your proudest moments have been when you've been with people who understand the whole Caroline. Mm -hmm. is, is that right? Yeah. And I think that's everyone's desire. At the end of the day, they, they want to feel seen and they want to, you know, all of the 
the guts and the glory are fantastic, but think about all of the interviews out there about, you know, from famous people in general, you know, they're, they're searching for that meaning and that feeling of value. And I think that that is so important and also to voice and to find the right support throughout the journey. So that's a possibility, no matter what stage you're on, not afraid to seek that and to find that. I, I love that answer. And I, I can totally see that's a different answer than I would have expected, but one that I can, I can connect to, okay, one of, one of the reasons that I was excited to interview you, and I know this is so silly because you have so much on your resume and being an Olympian, but I, I was a 500 freestyler. So um, I'm like, oh my gosh, Caroline did this amazing 500 free at NCAAs and um, her time was amazing. And so all of us little 500 freestylers out here, whether we were, you know, 550 in the 500 free and we were barely making our high school team or whether we were an Olympic trials swimmer or a master swimmer, so many people have swum the 500 free that we know what the orange card looks like. We know what it how painful it is to see number 11 come up, you know, and, and so I, I think that's a beautiful answer that, you know, you connect to people that when, you know, I was at the NCAAs where you won that I was, you know, in the stands watching. And I remember watching that 500 free and just thinking, gosh, I know the work that this young woman has put in. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful answer. I think that's, that's really cool really cool. Yeah. It, and, you know, there's no substitute for hard work at all. But I think, again, it's back to the either or concept. It's not hard work or connection. It's hard work and connection. It's yeah. being able to have both, you know, I think it makes you a better athlete and human at the end of the day. It's a really beautiful thing to have both. It seems like now in this phase of your life, you're really working hard to to be authentic. And you're probably connecting with people you don't even know because, you know, you're still somewhat of a public figure and, you know, you're putting this stuff out there. You know, when I read your website, you know, I'm, I'm moved by some of the ideas that you express that are very authentic and sometimes painful to, to read. So is, is, is it your goal is to reach people who may not even know you and to help them? Yeah, I think I've never really had a huge goal with my website, I guess I could say, you know, but I also know that I just, I want people to be able to feel seen for being more than what they think they have to be or more than what they've only known that they're good at. And I just, I firmly believe that the more you can explore and and learn how to love yourself and connect with yourself and others while also pursuing a goal, the more meaning is behind that pursuit, you know? So the more that you can produce with connection and the more that you can go through these feats and accomplishments, you know, knowing that there's more in your bank, you know, there's more to you that 
if you didn't produce this, that you're still worthy. You know, go ahead and produce it anyway, right? (laughs) That you can go, that you can do more than just one thing and be more than just one identity. And I think there is a lot, that's essentially one of the hardest things with athletes that have retired. And this is why they struggle so much. And I'm, you know, trying not to speak for everyone, but for the most part, it's a very open and honest conversation that athletes, professional athletes that retire, go through a really challenging time, not because they know they can't be good at other things, but because they're nervous that if it doesn't produce a result, that they're not worth as much as they did if they produced this result that they just did. And I think that it just shuts down the conversation right away because the conversation shouldn't be what can you do to produce something or else you're not worthy. The conversation should be, where's your worth? Where does your worth lie first before we even talk about anything else? You know, like who are you as a human being first before we go into all of the other things that, that you can produce. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's people out there thinking, well, Caroline, you're beautiful and you're a great artist and you can do a clean and jerk or whatever that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> and you're an Olympian. And, um, you know, I am just a person out here, you know, struggling along. You know, you know, I, 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 I get what you're saying to people who have been pigeonholed and as as producers. Or, but what would you say to that person who's, you know, they're just doing the best they can and not not famous? and not beautiful and not whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to tell someone something without understanding or context, like contextually what they're experiencing. So honestly, in that moment, I'd probably say, do you want to go sit down and talk? <laughs> you know? Like, do you want to talk? Because there's, it's really hard to give someone a, you know, piece of advice, you know, and it's, and I have a very abstract mind. So it takes a second to, sit with things anyway, you know, so to be able to sit with someone and talk and have a conversation, not only do they feel seen, but then they can open up and realize the things that they tell themselves that are perhaps limiting beliefs about what they're capable of or what they're worth in life. Mm. Um, It's conversation connection again, because the only way they're going to produce stuff isn't by um, just telling them, you know, what to do. Uh, I've learned that the hard way. I think, I used to do it and I used to receive it and it didn't work (laughs) and I haven't really seen it work for many people. If it does, it works for a short time, but at the, at the root of it is the piece of connection. I want to sit and talk with you and get to understand what's on your mind and what's showing up for you. And, and hopefully we can talk about what we can, you know, go where we can go from there. Sounds like you really do love people and want to understand them. What do you look for in, in friendship? Connection, playfulness, adventure, uh, the ability to talk about more than surface level things. <laughs> uh, like I, I really like ta- having deep conversations and talking about things that are more than, um, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Or, you know, what do you want to just go do this? <laughs> right. There's, there's something to be said about somebody that can balance the play and the joy and also have a really cool conversation about something, whether it's what's going on in our world or the earth or sports or uh, personal stuff, mental health. I find that 
really, really special in my relationships. Somebody that's easy to talk to because they see you and they want to sit down with you and sit, sit with you and take time to have those conversations. That's what I definitely look for. And I would hope that they look for that in me. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're with the right two women. Maria and I are classic. <laughs> like, we're like, let's go deep. Okay. Like if, if yeah. we have five have, minutes to yeah. talk, we go, we go deep. Like, let's go See. deep. Okay. Let's skip all the, the niceties. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I yeah. think there's, there's, it's important to have to sit with things that people say as well, and then apply them to yourself instead of taking it as the word. So, you know, my hope for everyone listening to this is like, these are my experiences and these are my words and these are my thoughts. But my hope is that whatever is said can be applied, you know, from your perspective and can be reflected on in your own life so that, you know, you can take it and and choose to do what you want with it. I find that to be the most powerful connection anyway, is someone sharing something and then saying, you know, does this relate to you or how do you feel? about that topic or that concept and how does that relate to you and being okay with other people not having the same opinion as you and, and mindset as you, uh, that's a new one for me as well. (laughs) That's hard for me too, but I would just, I want to ask one, one more question is, do you, you know, in my experience and, you know, I love this idea of being real, being seen, going deep. And it's something that I'm very comfortable with too. But in my life, I've noticed that some people are very afraid of that. They're, they're, they don't want to be exposed. They don't, you know, they're, they're afraid of, I guess, what you'll do, <laughs> you know, yeah. with, with, with what's really there. Has that been your experience? Yeah. And that was my life for a long time. I didn't want to talk about anything. I ran from it all. I hid it all. And so you know, what I would say to that is that those, those people that don't want to connect about things going on for them or things that they're experiencing, and this is just my experience, still want to go deep about something else or, or find a common place where they can have a conversation about something cool or something really unique. You know, um, I have a lot of friends that are this way and to be honest, they, absolutely love to talk about things that are going on in the world or, you know, different perspectives on a topic. Um, And so that's one way to do it. And and the other way is that if somebody doesn't want to go, you know, talk about what's going on with them or open up at all and they're closed, it's continuing to say, I'm here and let me know when you want to talk. And otherwise, you know, I, I support you with, with your needs. And to know that that doesn't mean anything about you, that, you know, you don't have to take that as like something's wrong with you because they don't want to share. And that's something I'm also learning as well, is that doesn't mean that I'm not approachable in that moment necessarily, right? That, that could be part of it, but, you know, oftentimes it's not always part of it. So allowing space for that person to process things their way and to continue to share that like you're there and... I'm here. If you want to talk about anything, just let me know. And, and then continuing on with, you know, whatever does work between a friendship. And I think that does get figured out through actually doing things. <laughs> if it's like if your swim buddy or your run buddy or um, your coffee buddy or, you know, concert buddy, whatever it is like those, everyone's friendship looks different in a certain way. And so it's finding what that is and then going and working within that. And that takes trial and error for sure. Yeah, I love how you accept both both kinds. That's nice. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of Olympians, a lot of 
uh, champions. And you definitely have a very unique, you come from a very unique perspective. And I would be remiss in being having two fellow endurance athletes, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do endurance athletics, that your mindset, I'd love to hear your mindset when you were swimming at the at at that elite level was it this different was it um you know when you're in that you you obviously had to train to an amazing level of pain threshold to to swim a 500 free and a 400 free at the pace that you swam it at so what were you saying to yourself in those moments of pain in the middle of a race well when I was competing, I, I definitely wasn't any different than this. Um, what I did do well was block things out. <laughs> uh, but as I, as I've grown and what I realized that I did do well then that I wasn't aware of, which I think is a, a lot of sports, by the way, is I think we do things, but we don't know we're aware we're doing it is turn the valve on and off. So I, I knew when to turn it on or, you know, turn, I knew when to, to say, let's go, we're going to do this. And I knew when to say, I need to have a conversation with my coach and it needs to be a quiet setting and I need to feel seen and heard for what I'm experiencing. Or, you know, like once I got to my senior year, that was much, much more prevalent for me. But I think there's something innate in athletes too, where you just know you're going to kick ass. (laughs) Like you just, you just know that that's going to be a thing. And so it goes back to the beginning. It's like, you can do that. And you can want to be every single person in the pool, on the road, or, you know, on the soccer field, tennis court, and still have this conversation we've just had right now. And so I actually, am, as I've reflected, I did do that. <laughs> so I was that kind of athlete to where um, I did, I, I would have a conversation with my academic advisor once a week where we would just talk about life and families and boys and I would cry and well, you know, it's the whole thing. And I really needed that time. And then I could go back the next day and kick butt in the pool. <laughs> so there's not a one size fits all for everybody. And I've, I've heard more than normal that, you know, a lot of athletes will say like, yeah, you just got to put your blinders on do the thing and, and get out there and just give it your all, you know, there's really no time for, for anything else. And there's just no, you know, that's, that's an awesome perspective too. I see that. But let's not overlook the athletes that are like, but wait, I'm super sensitive and I also want to kick butt. So how can I like play into this part of me that's like sensitive, intuitive, wants to study psychology, wants to study art, you know, wants to be a social worker, is quiet, is introverted, not a huge, um, you know, loud player on the team. But guess what? I still want to kick butt (laughs) and I still want to do that and I still want to do amazing. So I think, I think the more widely accepted um, view of athletes is, is really helpful. But to answer your question, I, I really just had this innate confidence that was like, uh, I'm just going to do this and that's it. I know that I'm, I'm capable of it. Um, I, I actually chose to not think as much as think during my races. Um, for me personally, when I thought my brother's opposite, he's, he's totally logical. Um, he was an Olympian in 2012. Uh, he's totally logical, you know, stats, times, numbers, and he made the Olympics and I'm the complete opposite. And I made the Olympics. 
like couldn't be up more opposite of two human beings. So again, I felt my way through it. I didn't tell myself a million things when I was racing or competing. I did the work more so in practice or through questions and conversation. And then I would show up and do the job. You know, he, on the other hand, was brilliant with numbers and stats. So he would spend his entire, you know, warm up planning out his races and doing all of that. So again, everyone's different. Um, but I can only speak to my weirdness and quirkiness with this, uh, which I think is helpful to hear, especially for some athletes that are also experiencing that same kind of mindset of just go the race is here. You know, the more you think, the less you do. Interesting. Boy, I, I could have used that approach. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really. That is really a, that is a very unique perspective, which I thought we would definitely get from you, Caroline, in the interest <laughs> of time, we, we've kept, we could talk and talk with you, but we are running out of time. Um, Our last question is always, um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? You know, just to wrap it up, I I feel grateful to be able to talk about this stuff. I am a big supporter of all different styles of athletes. Yeah, I'm learning more about that to this day, that you can be any sort of style of athlete and still succeed. You know, you got your your uh, various personalities and there's no one way. So um, I think the best thing to do is to continue to learn about yourself. Um, And so that's really all I I have to say is keep learning and growing and knowing that it could change and pivot. That's okay too. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. We really appreciate it. And it's just, it's been, it's been a blast. Yeah. It's really, really, really um, wonderful to hear your perspective, which is very different and, um, and open and beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Best Best of of luck luck to you. you. Thank you. Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. Well, Maria, that was fantastic and so unique. I just love having like someone with a completely different perspective. Yeah. Well, she has the perspective of time away from swimming. And I think, you know, just like she said in the beginning, just sort of having a moment where she, you know, she relived things. And so, yeah, it was really, uh, really interesting. She's a lovely person. Lovely. And she used one of your favorite words, reflection. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, love, she's, we love to yeah, reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, w- I don't love it, but she, but she seems to, um, and maybe yeah, that's a really good point, Kelly. I hadn't really thought of that yet. And that's my, I want to reflect more this year and I have to work at it to be thoughtful. So, but she's done a lot of it. And, um, and I think she's feeling powerful for what she's come out of it with, which is, Yes. And, and the reflection can be painful. Yes. I mean, that's, that's one of the messages I got there, but there, that's probably a takeaway in itself, but let's go to our two each official takeaways. What was your first uh, takeaway? Well, I, I loved, um, 
that she values authenticity and she's clearly trying to be authentic and she used the term being seen, which, you know, you and I talked about, it's, you know, it's being understood for more than maybe the one thing you might be known for or one aspect of your life. Like she talked about, you know, when you have a child, you're not just a mother, you know, there's more to you. And um, so I think it's important. I guess the takeaway is that we have to remember that we can tend to maybe one-dimensionalize people, even in our lives, and um, and that they want that people want to be known for themselves, you know, who they are and all their, you know, ins and outs. And and if their if their main job is you know Olympic swimmer, they want to be known for other things too, and for all their work they put in. If they're a mother, they want to be known for more than you know just the fact that they you know have birth this child and take care of it all day you know your main job might be the biggest thing people see about you but we all want to be known it's really being known isn't it it's like i want you to really know me you know 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 mm-hmm. me and anyway i love that she talked about that and that she was clearly trying to share who she is with the world beyond you know the things that people might know about her yeah it's so interesting that Sometimes I think these athletes, but certainly even us as just individuals, like you said, like somebody being a mother or being, you know, a stockbroker or being a cyclist or whatever you are, um, that they, that maybe they think they can't be the best at that one thing if they're, if they are being known for someone else. And just like off the top of my head, I'm thinking of how Elizabeth Beisel kept the fact that she's like a concert violinist secret. You know, it's like she, she didn't want people to know. She said, Uh, I don't know, but you know, that was just, that's just funny, but yeah, being seen. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Uh, My first takeaway that I just like, truly, I made the comment during the show that I, I wish I had had that perspective when I swam, you know, hard distance was I asked her what her mindset was when she was in, in pain. And she said, well, I just decided to go for it. I don't, I don't overthink it while I'm swimming. She said, you know, she didn't overthink it. She just knew she was in shape. She had done the work in practice. And when it came time to swim, she just knew that she could do it. And that is such a, freeing thing, at least from my mind that, you know, I could have had that perspective, but instead I was kind of thinking, you know, is this turn going to be correct? Is it, you know, am I going to hurt on number 13? Is it, you know, is the person next to me better than I am? Or was the fact that I was sick, you know, two weeks ago going to affect me today? You know, it was just like all of the chatter that's in your mind. If you can just say, I can do this. I've done it. I'm ready. And just maybe sing a song or um, think, you know, about something that's just kind of keeps you confident. I I loved that. Yeah, I liked it too. And it was so counter to the person that she is outside of swimming. So that made it really interesting to imagine this person who's so feeling and so thinking and so much in her head that she can just turn the switch and go swim her heart out and not worry about anything while she's doing it, except to just give it all her all. I just thought that was, you know, really, really wonderful. <laughs> and like you, I, w- I would struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's 
That's, I, I got something out of that for sure. So <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what was your second thing? Um, the second thing is sort of related to the first. And it's, it's really something that I feel is so important that you can be good at more than one thing, that you're more than whatever your main thing is at the moment. And I think this is really important. We live in a, such a rich world and there's so many opportunities. You could be a writer, you can be a painter, you can be a world traveler, you can learn a language, you know, but you can't do it all at the same time. You know, you can maybe do one or two things. And so I love that, A, she said, you know, you, you can be more than a swimmer. You know, you can be lots of things, but you but then this was, you know, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm quoting myself here. It's like, you don't have to do it at the same time. You have a full life. At, at 33, she's now been a swimwear designer, an artist, a student, uh, an Olympic swimmer, you know, a daughter, a friend. I mean, she's, she's already filled up her resume and she's got lots of time left to do even more. Yeah, Maria, I think you're, you can quote yourself because I think that is very sage wisdom from a woman that, you know, raised four kids and has done so much, just not doing it all at once. So I love that. And remember, this is conversations with champions. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not just, uh, you know, let's just listen to one person. You know, you're a champion and I love hearing what you say. And I think that added a lot to, um, you know, that perspective well, of yeah, you can and be I, good at more than one thing. And I think people can get discouraged when they're in a hard section. Like, for instance, motherhood, you know, can feel like it lasts forever. And, you know, you want to be there for your child, but you know, you think, is this it? I'm, am I always going to have spit up on my left shoulder? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And, you know, no, you're not. You're not. you got lots of time. <laughs> Just enjoy the right. spit up. It's going to go away. Yes, yes. Well, my last one uh, I, I loved is from her that, you know, you don't have to produce something mm. to have value. Yeah, I love that you know? too. And, that, and mm -hmm. that one is, you know, that's kind of a tough one in our society. It's mm -hmm. kind of like... Especially if you're ambitious or you're, you know, doing something that is about just production. Mm -hmm. I think that's why art is kind of uh, undervalued in our society because mm -hmm. people just do art. Well, what are you going to, you know, oh, you're going to college to get your art degree. Well, what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. um, so I love that. Yeah. I, I love that you don't have to produce something to have value. Yeah, we're all, so we're all, the... we're all valuable just, you know, just by the by the fact that we were born and we're, you know, we're human. And so I, lo I love that too. It's a very loving and lovely attitude that, you know, it's not, it's not what you make or do. It's just who you are. Yes. Yes. Well, another great conversation yes. with a champion. I've really, I thought that was, was so uh, unique and fun and it was, it was just wonderful. So yeah. thanks Maria for being on this journey with me. I love you so much, Kelly. Thank you for love seeing you me. I see you. I see you. <laughs> I see you and too. we go deep. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Caroline Burkle. I think one should look at where does their self-worth lie? Who are they as a human being first before we talk about what they can produce? You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.